Hello, and welcome to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. A weekly radio show featuring conversations with successful women who have shown bravery, integrity, and independent thinking to lead a truly rich and rewarding life. Produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. And now, here's your host of Life on Purpose, Deb Coletti. Hi, this is Deb Coletti on Life on Purpose, a weekly radio show that will be coming to you at 11 o'clock each week at Eastern Standard Time. Produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. We have conversations each week with fascinating women that I have known or just getting to know and want to know more about. Women who have lived their life in a very purposeful way, that have uh, done things with integrity, with courage, and independent thinking. Um, today I have a very interesting guest with me who is uh, going to be starting her own radio show and uh, introduced to me through the network. And it's a fascinating, uh, painfully difficult subject that she has found a passion for and we all need to learn more about. We're hearing a lot about it. It's about human trafficking that is happening in our country and across the world. Dottie Laster is my guest, and she has a, a business called Laster Global Consulting and Training. Is that right, Dottie? Did I get that right? You did. Thank you. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to talk with you. Um, we talk on this show a lot about what you do, but also about how you got to do what you are doing and where that passion comes from and who you are. Um, as well as what you do. So jump in. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, thank you for having me, and I really appreciate it because, you know, often those traits that you listed, being uh, courageous and with purpose and driven, uh, it's not always a compliment from some people, so thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I take it as that very much. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I just... Uh, I was in school uh, getting my master's degree, and I met uh, a representative from the U.S. State Department that works on human trafficking and was telling about new laws. At that time, they were new that had been passed to protect the victims, and I said, that's what I want to do, and I started that moment, that instant, and I haven't stopped since. Wow. And what was it that spoke to you? You know, it's kind of interesting. I have no connection. I've never been enslaved. None of my ancestors have been enslaved. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of good. But, you know, you look back and you go, why was it this? Why me? Why I did I jump on this? And um, I was probably a twisted little kid. I mean, I thought about <laughs> slavery when I was about seven, eight years old. And, and I was so glad it was over because, of course, you know, as your audience knows, we're all taught that it was over. But I really wondered, even as a kid, I go, what would I have done? How would it, you know, would I have bought slaves and given them a safe life? Or would I have been like Harriet Tubman and risked it all to save them and, and fought against forces bigger than I could imagine? And, uh, I mean, I'm a little kid. Honestly, I'm not joking. I had these thoughts as an eight-year-old, wow. maybe even a seven-year-old as you're starting to learn it in school. I was fascinated by Frederick Douglass, who I have a portrait sitting over my desk of now. A little yeah. kid reading Frederick Douglass. So, um so those just, history lessons really rang true to you and really fall and here you are 20 years later or whatever it was going that's for me it was and what a miracle i mean i didn't know i'd have an opportunity to 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 you know help in this issue and uh um you know i've actually met a descendant of frederick Douglass, and that was one of the most awesome days of my life connecting an eight-year-old in cool a dream and that. a vision to today 
So mm -hmm. anything's possible. How did that happen? How did that come about that you met a descendant of Frederick Douglass? Was it a, tell the story a little bit about who Frederick Douglass was. Frederick Douglass, um, back when slavery was legal, he said as he um, became an adult and even as a child, he said, I don't recognize that I'm a slave. And in a time when that was illegal and, and slavery was legal and everywhere you turned, there was slavery. There was no escape from it. There were no laws protecting him, and quite the contrary, they were there to oppress him. He wouldn't recognize his own servitude, and he wound up getting his freedom, although someone did buy it. He even didn't recognize that. He said, thank you, but I don't recognize that I was a slave for you to have bought my freedom. In other words, he wouldn't buy into the hype. In a, in a time where everyone was buying into it. I mean, there was discussions, but the social framework was that slavery was legal. And so then he wound up having a newspaper and writing and, and books. And so I had read his writings as a kid. And then, of course, when I studied uh, for my master's degree, I read them again and revisited them. And then when I was working in Orange County, California, I was there in 2006 and seven. And there was an event, and uh, a colleague of mine had met Ken Morris, who is Frederick Douglass's direct descendant. And uh, we wound up having dinner that night. They said, you've got to meet this man. And I went, are you kidding? <laughs> That's <laughs> a kidding. hero, right, to relate it. Yeah. And wow. back to being a kid, I thought, my gosh, did I, you know, I, as, as a graduate student as a child I would have always wanted to have met Frederick Douglass so obviously physically that's impossible um, but I got as, as close as you can get and now um, his family has a, a nonprofit organization the Frederick Douglass Family Foundation it's mm -hmm. fdff.org and now we're colleagues we stay in touch all the time say more about what your organization does now and what you are and how you develop that well, um, I started out working through grants from the Department of Justice to assist law enforcement to be trained on the issue of human trafficking and also to assist victims of trafficking. And so I've worked uh, several years on grants like that. And then I've evolved my own company out of that experience where I have a private company now that trains law enforcement, uh, nonprofit organizations, and business groups. It'd be a, a the new thing that people don't understand is people if, that own businesses that are benefiting from the slave labor are at yeah. huge financial risk. And the people within the organization, say a legitimate business, they're targeted by the traffickers. The traffickers aren't going to use their own business. They're going to target a good business and benefit from the slave labor in the form of a subcontract. So I'm educating those businesses as well. So it gives me the ability to travel the country, uh, to to use my experience to help others, and to have a very nice, exciting life. And I'm really, really thankful for it. And it sounds like you have uh, – how is it that you work your personal life into this, this busy life traveling? And I know you have a daughter, and I know it's uh, – got to be complicated to do both that is the joy of self-employment yeah <laughs> i have rebelled against a clock most of my life and the few times i've had to do an eight to five job it felt like handcuffs <laughs> i'm so happy that i can schedule my meetings and trainings and a lot of times she goes with me and at times that she cannot um i have a wonderful husband that takes care of her 
Uh, My son and and I. It does. (laughs) I'm married to the most patient man in the world, trust me. (laughs) So um, I have a lot of people that help me when I have to travel and she can't go with me. And then when she can go with me, I take her every time. And, you know, she contributes a lot. My daughter is learning disabled and she's 26 years old but also kind of like a 12 year old it sounds like you brought her into the business she is a big part of the business yes Mm -hmm. uh just recently we met the sheriff of harris county which is all over houston texas the fourth largest city in the nation and at the end of our very intense meeting he stood up and gave my daughter his sheriff's pin oh gosh very I was cool. about to cry. I'm all trying to be professional because the sweetest thing no I've kidding. ever seen. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. And uh, when you do your trainings and you deal with the with law enforcement, that's interesting to me because a lot of times victims are the one that ones that are arrested and put in jail. I mean, the victims meaning the the human traffic person, a young child or a woman, prostitutes that are picked up for prostitution, but they really are. Uh, enslaved in that role. Absolutely. The the nation has a bit of a naive understanding of prostitution. I mean, there are enlightened people that understand, but as a society, we think about Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman and yeah, all yeah. the Johns are like Richard Gere and they go shopping on Rodeo. And it's quite the opposite. It's hell. It's torture. It's rape. It's abuse. And, yes, the victims do often wind up in jail rather than rescued. Mm-hmm. We're all reading this book. I'm going to get right to it because I, you and I talked a little bit about it off, off air, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and um, how what a heroine she is for modern day and about um, fighting back and, and what she stands for in that way. Um, it's not easy to do. When you're victimized over and over again, she's first overlooked it if anybody's read the book it's really interesting how she wouldn't explain it all and then just got empowered talk about the empowerment of all of that and how you see your victims work through it you know that's great i'm glad you mentioned those those books that series the trilogy is Mm -hmm. quite amazing and, and they bring up the topic of trafficking in those books and you know as you were talking just now it reminded me she's a a woman heroine and quite the way that, that Frederick Douglass wouldn't see his being a slave, she yep. would not allow herself. She was certainly victimized. You can't stop when bad guys victimize people unless, you know, on your own. Mm. But once she was free, she didn't stay in that victim role. She then became the rescuer and, uh, you know, the enforcer of some justice, not because she was a vigilante. She was not because she was a vigilante, but right. because it wasn't justice to be had. And she has a very strong moral compass. It's so interesting to to read about this and uh, to see. And it's so enjoyable, isn't it? Enjoyable when she the revenge she gets. If, if you all haven't read it or watched the movie, there's one out. The second one's actually out. It's brilliant. You, we women, we stand up in the theater and cheer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people were staring at me for sure because I, I I laughed out loud at the probably tens times and I cheered her on. And I said, you go get them. And uh, I know that people were probably distancing themselves as I left. (laughs) But it was very cathartic for what I do. Um, It was very cathartic to watch that movie. 
I want to come back to that. We're going to take a break in a minute. We're going to invite people to call in, but I want to come back on that subject and empowering feeling of uh, taking charge and getting past the victim. But it's really tough one, and you've got a lot of experience with that. If you have something to add to this and to ask us or to uh, share, please call us at 646-652-2071, or you can send in your questions on the chat line, which is www.hearwomentalk.com, and we will see them online and we will uh, have a chat. Come back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. Hi there, it's Deb Coletti back with you again with Dottie Laster. And we were just talking about um, human trafficking in our own country and uh, across the world. Uh, You pretty much focus on domestic, although it sounds like you're helping people link up across the world. Well, um, I've worked on human trafficking in the U.S. for about seven years. And through that, of course, I've gain connections around the world so now we're also starting to train and do public speaking globally so um, my master's is in international relations and that is uh, it's just amazing you know sometimes you set seeds and you start building a plan and and you kind of get lost in just doing the work and then you wake up one day and go wow the plan's working so I'm, I'm really fascinated that it does That's- work and it seems like once you start doing what you're doing, and you're doing it so deeply and well here, you start hearing about it all over the place. Since I've talked to you, it's just, well, it seems to be a very topical issue, and finally the media is giving it its just in a global way. But what you're bringing to, to the, our audience right now is the fact that it is an American problem right here in our own backyards. It truly is, and um, anyone who who has a kid, who's a parent, who's been a child, Anyone who's participating in our community needs to be aware of this, and you can combat it. If you imagine the number of runaways that mm-hmm. are they're vulnerable and they are targeted immediately. I mean, within two days, they're going to be targeted for either selling commercial sex or drugs. And any minor in commercial sex is a victim of trafficking. So just peruse your newspaper, your, your, you know, wherever you get your news each day and watch your community. A pimp is a trafficker and you're mm-hmm. going to see it. If you think back to the Lawrence Taylor case and he's alleged to have been part of, of this, uh, purchasing of sex from a pimp from a 16 year old right. or 15 year old or whatever age was, as long as it is forced and or she was under 18, he participated, and he could face a very strong prison sentence. Hmm, that's so interesting, and that that delineation is uh, is and it's the forced and not by choice, and and pulled into this underage. Yes, and underage. There was just a Supreme Court case in Texas, and they've almost got it right. But a 13 year old was charged with prostitution. Now, just stop and think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm, She's mm-hmm. 13. And, and put in jail. Ugh. She was put in, arrested, put in jail, and charged. Her case went through the court system for three years, made it all the way to the Texas Supreme Court. Now, the 32-year-old, quote, boyfriend was not even investigated or questioned. He was not arrested. She was. She was charged. She is also mentally retarded. Oh my gosh! This is now let that sink in for unspeakable, a minute. unspeakable crimes. Yeah, 
and the Texas Supreme Court did finally rule in her favor. So the important thing is with the Federal Trafficking Victims Protection Act, any minor in commercial sex is a victim, not a perpetrator. And, you know, a prosecutor went for three years chasing this case. And I just think that when our society sees money exchanged for sex, they put blinders on. They forget what they're looking at. And sex with a child is rape. If there's right. an adult having sex with a child, it's rape. And it's many other things, but it's at least that. Yeah, exactly. And how, have you seen a change in how the, uh, our society is looking at things recently? It's just so upsetting to think that um, it's actually become we've become more desensitized in a way to it because it's just become talk is it more in the media or is it we just and we're just talking about it more or is it happening more and is the awareness up with it i do believe the awareness is up when i first started if i was speaking to a group of say 50 people and i say does anyone know what trafficking is they would go it's smuggling or you know they didn't understand what it was and now when i you know most of those 50 people will raise their hand and they'll actually have an understanding of trafficking so that is progress yeah that's good to know and you're making a difference here and how could we make a difference what can we all do and i hear the passion in your voice it's obviously what you were meant to be on this earth to do um help us help you um well definitely just the example i've given when you see news stories where there's a minor someone 18 or under or under 18 in commercial sex that's pimping or you know mm-hmm. prostitution stripping or pornography speak out because that's a victim not a perpetrator i mean everyone can do that you can write your newspaper editor you can call the prosecutor as i did on that case right right and you can say hey look at the trafficking victims protection act we can vote with our feet and just say no more walmart or whoever is i know there are some uh past issues with walmart or other companies who else is involved i mean they're big names it's a it's a mainstream situation it sure is um there was a case years ago involving uh taco bell and at the time the law hadn't adapted yet so they kind of got you know to look the other way be due to their tomatoes their tomatoes were being um harvested through a process where there was forced indentured servitude now if that case comes up again the new law says they either knew or should have known well, we know they right. know now because they were told. So now right. if they knew or should have known, they can face severe um, civil penalties. Well, that's good. And that's the, yeah, and that's where we can uh, boycott those places or any, does that happen? Does that, is there ever a cry for that? There is. And right now I'm in a very passionate cry towards Craigslist. Um, they've made some changes. But if you want to go find where sex is in your community, look on Craigslist. Uh, it's, yeah. That's how I found, you know, when I'm doing investigations or research for cities, um, that was what I was using. And I, I, I do believe they've made some changes, but I think the attitude's not there to go, this isn't okay. I think it's more just a reaction to public outcry. So yeah. I would suggest keep outcrying. We need them to really hear us. Yeah, it's not about doing the right thing in their case. It's about what's going to, the commerce, who's going to drive the traffic. And if we stop coming, they will stop acting out. Um, how do we change this? What is the, what is it? Do you believe in legalizing prostitution? Is that an answer? Well, you know, when I started this, I really considered that. And then as I started to learn more about trafficking, I actually found that where prostitution was legal, they were seeing a lot of victims and a lot of minors. And an hmm. example is in the Netherlands. 
Uh, it's been legal there for a very long time. The Red Light District is well known. It's a tourist yeah. attraction. My gosh, I saw it on the Travel Channel. I couldn't believe it. I'm looking at the Travel Channel, <laughs> and they're doing an overview of the Red Light District. And I'm like, am I on the wrong planet or what? You know, I'm just, I can't believe yeah. I'm seeing this. Now, the U.S. State Department puts out a trafficking in persons report each year that ranks countries on their efforts to combat trafficking. So in a response to that, Holland said, okay, well, we better make sure there's not trafficking people in our red light district because we're kind of known for this thing. Well, it's down to like a third of what it used to be because when they went and looked, they found trafficked women and children in those storefront windows, in those brothels. And um, it just showed their example was legalizing it didn't necessarily, not only didn't cure it, but it also was a bigger draw. And the reason yeah. is the demand for commercial sex, and I'm not trying to gender bash, but men are the ones that buy it, but the demand mm-hmm. outstrips the willing sellers, the women that have to provide it. It's not a glamorous business. It's horrible. It's 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 hell on earth, and you have to coerce someone to, to fill the need. My mm-hmm. victims have served anywhere from six to forty men a day, every I day. I can't even believe that statistic. I mean, I read that that was just on six to forty something a day. Can you imagine that a thirteen-year-old forced to have sex? And I don't know what the answer is, and I'd like to get to that. Where, when, you know, if what's the bigger picture on this? If there is supply and demand um, regulation, we don't want the government involved. That would just be awful. What if McDonald's ran? You know, or some <laughs> some great corporation, women. What if we ran it? I guess there are plenty of women pimps. <laughs> there are. In fact, women are represented as much on uh, – there's a high percent of women on the uh, um, the force, forcing side as, as well as the victim side. And a lot of the victims survive and work their way up the organization to become the trafficker. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very twisted in so many ways. Um, the, yep. the thing is the demand. If they could just start arresting the, the people who always had a choice. The people that go to buy this always have the choice. And right. I've been on police raids with my male police buddies. I'm going, arrest the Johns, arrest the Johns. And they're like, no, no, no. We, we'll, we'll detain them and ask them questions, but we're not going to arrest them and ruin their life. And I'm like, oh, please. Isn't that we, unbelievable? You know, I know. Well, Elliot Spitzer, I mean, you know, it has to be that egregious for him to, for someone to get uh, taken down. Um, and they didn't charge him. He was yeah, not charged right. with anything, and Publicly he's resuming affiliated, but yeah. Well, he told a, a joke about it um, on his first speech, one of his early speeches back out into you know public life, and I'm like, it's not funny, and it wasn't a joke. It was very serious yeah. to all that were oh. involved, especially his wife. Talk about oh, the other God. victims. She didn't and know. And his two daughters. That's just so humiliating for everybody. Yes. And dangerous. Not to mention physically dangerous, which you are dealing with here. People compartmentalize. It's crazy. One thing I tell women when I'm out speaking, and I hope your women will listen to me now, and I hate that I'm saying it, but married women need to practice safe sex as well. And if you don't believe me, Say look it. down the list yep. of people. Tell your yep. wits' wife. Um, when, when you've learned from what I have, those 40 men a day, they're going home to their wives and their girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not anonymous yeah. people. They're not one guy. They are a massive portion of the population. And I've heard it directly from my victims. 
Yeah, it's sad but true and uh, very good advice. And that's what we do here is we say these things people think and maybe don't say. We need to say them, people, out loud and clear. And when we come back, Dottie, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about we're going to bring this uh, to uh, the personal level again. I want to hear more about you. And uh, we're going to take a break and come back in just a few minutes. Thanks. You're listening to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. Hi there. We're back with Dottie Laster. I'm Deb Coletti, and we are discussing um, human trafficking. And on uh, a personal note with Dottie, when we talked earlier, we talked about what has been so important to her is the freedom to have this job where she can have her daughter who has got a learning uh, disability and brought her into the business and freedom for her victims, but also the freedom that you've created for your own life. And I frequently hear from clients and, and callers, uh, listeners, how do I get to do that? I, I, I wish I could be an entrepreneur. I wish I could create my own business. Uh, you really uh, were open and aware when somebody, when you were in graduate school for this, but say more about how you're just a regular girl and you did it too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm as surprised as anyone. I was just a horse trainer. I really, there was nothing special to me. Um, And, uh, you know, when I think back about how did I get from what I hope to what is, is I just lived for the moment and I learned about freedom from my, from my clients and, um, you know, I'm not scared like I was. I was, I was not confident. I was probably scared of a lot of, a lot of things. And I felt powerless. And I see a lot of women, they, they seem to, not just women, a few men, but especially women, we tend to apologize for everything. Yes, we do. With no more, I'm sorry. You were telling me how the confidence really did uh, take hold and, um, and gave you the, the brave, uh, your bravery to stand up and start your own business after working for others. Yes, I, you know, I woke up one day and I was, I was really having a bad day. Just one of those things where I knew I was right, but I was getting told I was wrong from all sides. And, and, um, my heart and my, my intellect knew I was correct, but I felt like I was getting beaten down. And it really became important to me to never let that happen. And I made a promise to myself, I go, I'm not going, to be like I saw some of my colleagues. I mean, they were scared to death. They wouldn't speak up at meetings. They wouldn't say what I knew in their heart they wanted to say. And, um, hmm, so you that know, was a it's hard decision. at first. Yeah. It was. You know, and I would say it's hard at first. I was shaking the first few times I stood up in a meeting and said what needed to be said. But after that, oh, that was over after about once. <laughs> <laughs> once you find that strength, it's, you can't keep it down. And once, once you know you can't unknow it, it's, it's really um, a turning point. Say more about what that moment was for you because I think it was you listened to that little voice. You really listened to that, this isn't right, I am. I know I'm doing well enough, you know, but people were, you were getting beaten down. You know, it was. I was getting cornered by someone who was um, definitely not a supporter of our cause, if you can believe there's such a thing. There actually is. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, they don't come in wearing a T-shirt saying, I'm your enemy. It's more subtle than that. Right. And um, I woke up, and I had put a, I'd drawn a line in the sand for myself, and I said, the moment... It's where I'm not actually helping the victims. I mean, I'll put up with, I'll put up with anything if I can still keep helping. But mm-hmm. the moment I've been corralled and cornered and duties taken away to where I can't help, I'm out of here. And I found that line right in front of my toes. I mean, literally one day it, it took a few weeks to culminate, and I realized, okay, you know, did you mean what you said or not? It's the conversation with myself. Right. Walk and I the said, walk. Enough of the talking. Yep, and and take that plunge. And I meant it, and I went, and and folks were surprised, and I started my own business, and I have not looked back since. It has been the best thing I could have done. Hear that? That is so interesting, and and scary as hell, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't let anyone else know, but I was quaking in my knees. (laughs) (laughs) So what advice would you give to somebody who's going, well, I'm get along, go along in my job, and my boss really doesn't get me, and I'm really annoyed most of the time. What are the words you say to yourself that you would suggest? You know, make your job what you want it to be, And, and I had to do that too. I wasn't ready to walk away every day I mean it was it was a long time coming I loved my job and I put up with some stuff I didn't like and I embraced what I did and I just made kind of a calculator in my head what you know what do I have to put up with to where I still feel fulfilled in my job and when I get the negative side it's time to get a new job and when I'm in the positive side keep going I would seize these great opportunities and I remember I was invited to meet Ricky Martin And I went and told my supervisor, and she looked at me and said, well, why would we be interested in that? And I mean, like, he leads a human trafficking, you know, nonprofit that helps in human trafficking. So I'm like, why would we not be interested in that? Why would we not be interested? Exactly. Oh, gosh. But you knew better and listened to that. So that's very cool. Oh, yeah. I was AWOL. I went on my lunch break. I didn't come back. The only time I've never not been where I was supposed to be. And we still keep, you know... Years later, it's still an important part of my life, and um, I believe I helped them as much as they've helped me. So it wasn't just about my own ego, although that was struck very well. I enjoyed meeting them, Um, but it was also about helping and filling my role to help victims as I promised to. And you took advantage of a, you know, go, go, Ricky Martin. That's pretty cool that he's involved with that. I didn't know that till I saw the awards picture that you were with him on on your site. And that's a wonderful part of him, uh, that people have public personas, and we don't know the hard work, the good work they're doing behind it. And it sounds like um, looping back to what you just said and why you broke out on your own, I'm guessing that you found such... Uh, connection with the victims because you felt in your own way have felt like I'm not understood I'm I'm being used or abused emotionally and certain jobs or otherwise and and identified with them and then broke out and also had such a a reward from what you were doing the the change you were affecting in these lives definitely they they gave me more than I gave them and and to hear them tell it I gave them a lot um I I get thank yous and you're an angel and I get updates and pictures where they're free now. And uh, what that did is help me understand the bonds I was living in that maybe I didn't even know. One of my clients, she could could manage her food for a month for about $40. And I went, I go, oh my gosh, I can't even go to the grocery store for $40, right? (laughs) So I learned from her. And you know what? You don't need to fill your basket up with everything, you know, something on every aisle. 
you can. I mean, I've never met $40, but I cut things out of my life that I didn't know I was kind of suckered into buying. If I made a list of what I had wanted, it would have been so small compared to the benefits that I've gotten. And uh, I would urge everyone to reach your potential. Find out what it is. And what makes you work on Christmas with no pay? I love that, Dottie. That's really showing your true passion. And so much that you're taking on a new task. Uh, Right here at the Here Women Talk Network, you're starting a new radio show. Tell me more about that. Okay. Um, Yes, our show is called Trafficked. And it will be on the Here Women Talk Network. And our show will start with a rant or a rave. Grant meaning something I'm upset about, or Ray meaning some great progress. And then we will have a guest who works to combat trafficking in the United States, and then a second guest who works to combat trafficking globally. So we will do the local and the global, and then we will end with a positive story. So we're not going to tear you down and leave you (laughs) hanging. We're going to inspire you and empower you. When I thought about talking to you on this issue, I went, oh gosh, you know, it could, we, it, it is a heavy subject, but it's also the, the other side of it is that you are affecting such change and there are these great success stories. Do you have one you can tell us, somebody that you've personally worked with and, and how they're doing now? Yes, absolutely. I have a, there was a story in Texas Monthly Magazine. It's called The Lost Girls, and it followed one of my cases. And in the story, we call her Kiki because we've protected her identity. Sure. And the story ends with just this tell of just so many bad things happened to her, not just the trafficking, but afterwards because she was not identified. She didn't get a visa to protect her and allow her to work and have identification. And she wound up basically being exploited all over again. And at the end of that story... All we had that she was detained in detention, and she'd been there almost a year, and we weren't sure if we could get her out. Well, two weeks ago, I got a call from ICE that said, we're letting her out. When can you be here? And I jumped in the car that moment, drove 10 hours, and she didn't know. It was a total surprise. She didn't know. I said, don't tell her. Because I was afraid if anything went wrong. I mean, how cruel would that be to tell her and then, you know, she's not out. So I said, you wait till I get there. And so moments before I got there, they had told her she was being released. And I have a picture of her. She came out the prison gates and she grabbed me and hugged me and cried. And I don't think that girl was ever going to let go of me. Oh, when's the last time she had a loving hug hug like that? Oh, Oh, it gives me the chills. It gives me the chills down to my toes. Um, That is a wonderful story. It it feels like you went to get your adoptive baby almost, you know, when that day comes that you get to go rescue somebody. Really, really very wonderful. This is not Cambodia, people. This is right here in America. I keep reflecting on that myself. It's shocking. Yes, yes. And... um, You know, her story is an example of many. I spend most of my day getting victims out of jail, and it's just so backwards. I mean, it's like, it's already hard enough, you know, and then you get them out of, it's it's so hard to get them out of detention. Yeah, so you really get involved in the investigative process as well. It sounds like not just the training and consulting with companies, but actually uh, cases that are litigated and so on. Yes, absolutely. We, um, you know, a lot of people either aren't trained or can't see it yet because it happens in front of all of all of our eyes. And in fact, there is a. I live in a town of fifty-eight thousand. It's very small. Um, 
not a place you'd go. I think there's trafficking. And I was driving to breakfast one Saturday morning, trying not to think about trafficking. Actually, I was, you know, taking <laughs> a day break. Off. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this van in the wrong way in the mall parking lot. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like I'm almost gonna hit him. And he unloads ten workers. And I looked at him. And I looked him in the face, and I just laughed. I go, I'm the only person in fifty eight thousand people that knows what you're doing. And uh, sure enough, I did some investigation later and surveilled him. And um, he's got a, a crew that he's working with forced labor in, in a couple of restaurants oh in our God. city. And so with my film and my statement, I was able to get the police department to open an investigation. That is a cool story. And just because you know what you're doing and you pay attention, and we, we can do that. And you feel like a bit of a vigilante. I would be. But you know what? It's That's what's going to make the difference if we all do that. Ugh. Great story. We're going to have to take a break here, and I want to come back and uh, and get some calls in. Um, please, we want to hear from you all uh, about uh, Dottie's show. Any questions on this show? And the number here is 646-652-2071, or you can chat in at hearwomentalk.com. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. We'll be right back after these messages. Hi, I'm Deb Coletti, and I'm back here with you with Dottie Laster, and we've been getting a ton of chats, and and hopefully we're going to get some calls now here at the last 15 minutes. You can call at 646-652-2071, or on the chat line, you do have to sign in, though, and be a member of hearwomentalk.com. So, uh, Dottie, have you been watching the chat lines? It's unbelievable. We've got some great questions. Yes, thank you. I've been scanning them, and they are very good questions. Yeah, um, I love this one about your voice is so joyful and so happy, um, yet you deal with such a serious and unspeakable subject. How is that possible? <laughs> That's a compliment, I, I believe. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it's possible because, um, you know, there is a dark side to, to, the, to the subject, but there's also so much good. And it brings out the best in so many people. Mm. And then the other thing is I really, really, really appreciate what I have. <laughs> yeah, you've learned whether you've brought down your grocery list or uh, or uh, giving back in different in this way. It's got to be remarkable with that story you just told about Kiki. Uh, that, that's what you live for, I'm sure. Yeah, it's pretty hard to have a bad day when you think about what she's been through. So um, you, just, you, know, you just learn to live, and I think that's really the the reason I'm so happy. Mm, yeah. And we have some more. Let's see. Um, people are trying to call in. I hope you can get through. Um, let's find one here for you that well, you haven't touched on. You did talk a lot about uh, training the DAs and the police and so on, which is what you're all about. Uh, people are chatting in about how they're, they're family members. They have an aunt who, uh, turns out, found out her husband was frequenting prostitutes. It's devastating and it's far-reaching. Um, 
what is your how deeply is this how pervasive is this i guess is the question in your in your experience unfortunately i bet that if you could you know truthfully survey many of the folks in your family you're going to find that they are frequenting these places and and then of course there's also the online sex which is is growing Mm -hmm. exponentially and um it really is devastating to the family it's devastating to the people that are sucked into this um you know they a lot of them do go willingly but in order to keep them coming it's a game on them as well and i don't think many of them realize it or when they do they've lost everything yeah, they just get drawn in. They can't get out. It's it's tragic beyond all. Here's another question. Uh, what percentage of victims are, I think they mean, are women, men, and children? Um, the women represent, women and children represent a majority of the victims at this point. There are quite a bit of men that are victims. I think it's um, harder to find the men. We don't know yet exactly how many are out there, obviously. I believe we're finding the women and children because of the commercial sex cases. It gives the police something they can move in on, whether it's the uh, prostitution or the drugs. So we do tend to find those victims uh, more readily. But some of the hardest cases, the most emotional cases I've worked on have been men and forced labor. Um it's amazing what people will do to humiliate someone and to degrade them in order to make them able to work. It's it's very sad. Right. Yeah. That's. Uh, um, we do have a call now from Dawn um, coming through. Dawn, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Dawn. Yeah. Um, okay. Hi. I, I I did have a question for her because. Um, how many human trafficking groups are there combating this problem, and do they work together? She said that Ricky Martin is one of them. Are there are there a lot of people combating this, or what? Um, that's a great question, and I I don't know exactly how many there are. There are at one time there were forty two task forces funded throughout the United States, and that certainly does not mean that's all the organizations. It was just law enforcement task forces that were funded by the Department of Justice. And within each of those 42, there should be a a collection of organizations working to combat trafficking. I've also found that there are many groups out there that, that people will never know about that are very under the radar, that are not receiving government funding, that are doing amazing things to combat trafficking. And, uh, if we could ever harness the, uh, the true ability of those grassroots organizations, I think we stand a chance. And that's one thing I tend to do most of my days is uh, try to help or empower or, or uh, train or encourage some of these amazing groups that, that probably most people will never hear of. Mm-hmm. They seem to st- uh, stand oh, alone. One last question. Go for it. Yep. Is okay. this Dawn with Was us still? Ricky yep. really cute or what? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll share a little secret with you. When we were we were in Houston handing out money to uh, Hurricane Katrina school uh, schools that had t- taken students due to Hurricane Katrina, 
And uh, he sang happy birthday to me. And let me tell you, that was way... Uh, Did you melt? (laughs) I would have melted for sure. Okay, thank you so much. No, it was not a bad day. (laughs) You wonder why I smile so much. (laughs) Thank you, Dawn. We needed a little levity here. That was perfect. (laughs) Um, We also have a call coming in from Vicki. Are you with us, Vicki? Yes, I'm here. Hi, here's Deb. Dottie. Dottie. Yep. Yeah, I just I, I missed the first couple of minutes of this show, and I wanted to see, Dottie, did you get into your training? Because I, I did one of her trainings, and uh, it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all private investigators mostly, and uh, because in our work we run across this sort of thing, and, and she trains people, even you know regular citizens, the PTA could do it, um, to, to be able to spot it in your community. I found it very empowering that people can be so effective in helping through just small little things that you can do every day. So, Daddy, did you go over that, or can you tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, elaborate more than that. We didn't really go deeply into it. Well, thank you, Vicki. Vicki is a rock star in the private investigator field, and uh, we spend a, um, a lot of times with her calling saying, I think this is trafficking, and you know, a lot of times she is absolutely right. Um we, uh, I have a company that trains on this issue, and I spend my um, days working with groups, wh- whatever they are. It can be I'm one of the religious organizations I trained. I call um, I call them the my action religious group because they go out and really do stuff. They rescue victims, serve them, help them. Have been great. Um, I train. Any group of people that says we want to get involved in this, and I love to travel and speak and get coalitions started and um, in communities where there where someone's interested. So um, a day or two with me, and let me tell you, you'll be seeing trafficking in your area. I guarantee it. Mm. That is good to that know. Is there empowering. Is there anything online that's available for training for us to read and, and just learn like 10 things to look for? Um, there's a couple of things. Um, you can go to lasterglobal.com or millionkids.org, and we Excellent. have a lot of links and information there. And uh, if you uh, want to go further, shoot me an email. My email is on the lasterglobal.com page, and I will, um, I will take you on a journey. And I'll post it on my site and on Here Women Talk. We should have it on your page because those are, we can all do something. Little things add up to big things. And I love they're pulling groups together too across the, the nation because we tend to work alone and independently think we've got the right way to do it. Well, if we all did that together, what a, an amazing impact we could have. Um, thank you for that call. Uh, we have another chat in from somebody asking you about the movie Taken. Um, did you think that there was any reality to that? Yes. First of all, yeah. I did. In fact, my daughter said, Mom, you have to see this movie. She saw it before I did. And uh, again, it's probably one of those experiences where people sitting around me started kind of moving to other seats. Um, because when he when he plugged that guy into the chair, I you know I kind of laughed a little, and and uh, I you know obviously knowing it wasn't real, but uh, mm-hmm. it's very frustrating to see. Um, how folks that do these crimes often get away with it. And the victims in that movie were absolutely exactly what they look like mm-hmm. when I found them. The, the dead eyes, we call oh, them. Oh, that, that scene is unbelievable, where they're just walking around from room to room, 
just ready for the next John. Ugh. Yeah, that is what it looks like. That's what Kiki looked like when I met her. And and to see her now, you'd never guess that. Um, it is the soul's alive. I, I mean, the body's alive and the soul is dead. And that movie really did capture mm-hmm. that. Um, I yep. don't get to beat people up like he did, but I can certainly relate to the Wouldn't barriers. You want to? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's yep. why I kind of you know laughed at the uh-huh. wrong times and cheered when you know people were maybe a bit shocked. Um, but yeah, the the thing is that. The barriers that he came across, I come across every day, you know, the slow moving, um, some of the apathy, some of the corruption, some of the, well, it's not my problem. And, uh, you know, I feel like he did that, that timeline, that urgency. I've never, never met a victim that said, could you guys have come next week? You know, I was busy. Um, right, they all said, right. where have you been? Where have you been? <laughs> And somebody just chatted in. Um, is this because most law enforcement is is men, and that P- and uh, we just throw these we, we throw the girls in jail. We never uh, go after the Johns, as you talked about earlier. Um, how is that shifting? Are there more female law enforcement people? Are the DAs all of that? What can we do here? Well, I do think that uh, as I was working with the reporter on the Texas Monthly story, a couple of themes she kept repeating to me um, just in her um, getting into this issue and understanding it. She said, common sense. If we can just find one person with common sense mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not insulting anyone, but it seemed like when you get involved in organizations – because yeah. sometimes common sense gets a little bit diluted or a lot diluted. And the other thing she said is we need women working on this issue. And, and you're right. we There are women working on it. Um, but I think we run into the misunderstanding of, of a lot of these victims' experiences. And so many times she went out. Um, I, I was not with her as she went out on ride-alongs and things like that. And she would call back so frustrated saying, how could they not see there were victims? And they would report back, oh, there were no victims. And uh, it is a shift in perspective. It really is. Mm-hmm. Vicki just chatted in a, a good point. She says the trouble is that most female law enforcement officers have had to go along with being go along or be harassed. It's amazing out there, the, the insider deals. I like to... I, when we personalize things, if that male officer who was looking the other way, if he thought about it as his wife, his daughter, his mother, being a, you know, bring it home. If we could bring it more home, I think they all of a sudden go, oh, okay, this is affecting me too. Think of their own daughter. Absolutely. And when I do trainings, you know, I do role plays and I, I, uh, I bring it, I do bring it home and it's, uh, it's kind of funny. I did one recently and um, there, there was one in the group that was definitely. I had gotten whispers in my ear. He was, he was one that I really needed to reach, mm. and uh, that he, he was really not on board with this thing. And uh, the last two minutes, I had an hour and a half. Well, at an hour twenty-eight, he just started talking and spilling and, and commenting. And he, what was happening is his perspective had been changed, right. and it was so amazing. It was this. I mean, it was. It was so amazing, and it can happen, and and I don't think that overall, you know, I, I always believe that people are, are good, and they're not trying to, to actually be bad on this, but I do know that there's a lot of misunderstanding, and, you know, they're missing the cues out there because they just didn't see it um, 
they didn't mm-hmm. just see it that way. And a good, you know, a good day or two with me, and and they really understand. <laughs> That's the <laughs> thing like, is, we just go away. We'll, we'll agree with you. Just go away. <laughs> Right, right. Well, a good day with you. We need to clone you, and that's what it's all about, and train all of us to train others. Um, somebody's just asking, are you a private investigator, and do you carry a gun? No and no. <laughs> no and no. Um, I get wait for you a little bit here. Is your safety feel uh, ever in jeopardy? Uh, not yet. I I always joke. I've always more been attacked from the nonprofits than the bad guys, and uh, I just say that in jest. Um, more political, you know, infighting has been a problem. But in the United States, um, only a I do know someone I work with that has been threatened um, in Houston, and I, I do do a lot of work there, so I'm careful. And um, uh, outside the country, definitely, I think the rules are a bit different. But uh, inside the country. I don't think the bad guys know how effective I am yet, so don't tell them. Yeah, <laughs> look out for Dottie. Here she comes. Somebody just asked, Did you, have you ever had the pleasure of beating up um, one of the bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you a quick story that's even better. Um, there was a bad guy that got arrested, and luckily I was able to be called right away by the vice officers. And the beautiful girl that he had, she was crying and saying how ugly she was, and he told her how how you know she wasn't good enough he he was exploiting her and prostituting her well then the big uh, vice cops come in and they laugh and they go he's wearing a wig <laughs> so we made so much fun of this guy <laughs> you rented that rug i love it that's fantastic oh they took it away and everyone laughed it was hysterical so you know that felt good Maryland's lately. Did they pull it off? Yay, they should have. Well, they did, it sounds like. Yay. I think they threw it around the squad room and, you know, put it up on the bulletin board and kicked it across the floor. I'm joking. They were the mother, whatever. (laughs) They were very respectful. Ha ha ha. Oh, damn. Damn. I hope not. But that is vicariously beating him up, which is what we need to do, which is why these movies are great. The girl with the dragon tattoo and all of that. It's just, oh, it's so enjoyable. I'm sorry to say. It's just revenge feels good. Um, if you haven't seen it, just know that I loved her tattooing. It was wonderful. <laughs> that dad, I know. Wouldn't we want it on his forehead next time, right? Exactly. Uh, I have another call. We have, uh, we know we have some chat ins here. Hang on one second. Somebody's asking about, uh, safe havens. Is that an answer for, we throw these women in jail. I mean, some people, I mean, somebody said in Nevada, some prostitutes choose to be prostitutes. But in many cases, these young people that are arrested go to jail and they never get any training or any help to uh, to, to survive this. Um, are there safe havens? Is that something that's happening more? Yes, we need more of them. There's not enough. There's certainly um, very little f- funding. I, bl- I believe it's coming now. And uh, I encourage private groups to uh, get on board and and get some safe havens. When I worked at YMCA, we used apartments. I mean, you don't have to have a complete brick-and-mortar structure. Um, you You can make a difference with a group of people and a goodwill. And just having a place to live is really the first step in getting them healed. And arms around you like you were able to do with Kiki, just one hug or one one person to talk to and listen to you. It's it's remarkable. 
Uh, we are going to wrap up here soon. We've had such a great conversation, Dottie. You are, uh, the giggle in your voice is amazing and how much joy you bring to something that is such a tragic situation, but you're inspiring me. I'm going to go out and look around my community in New York City and go, what's going on here in our police area, in my precinct? And I hope you all will do the same. Um, how would you like to, to end this, this conversation? What? I would say reach your potential, whatever it is, and you will have a giggle too, I guarantee you. <laughs> that is wonderful. And what did you say earlier? You say what you hope to became what is and what you wish for you became. Um, and that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. We are down to our final minutes, and I'm going to wrap up by saying I'm Deb Coletti, and you can read about my my show and all about uh, Dottie on my website as well at uh, www. Uh, lifeonpurposeradio.com and uh, look forward to seeing you every week at 11 o'clock on Tuesdays Tuesday morning Eastern Standard Time thank you so much Dottie it's been a great great hour with you thank you Deb signing off (laughs) you've been listening to Life on Purpose with your host Deb Coletti Broadcast by Zeus Radio Network. All right, ladies.